Welcome to another episode of Behind the Vinyl. Uh, tonight's episode is with Mark Tremonti, uh, talking about his uh, his latest album with his solo band Tremonti. Mark obviously was in or is in Alterbridge. He was also in Creed before that. So there's a long, long history um, with uh, with Mark playing heavy music. Um, his latest album is no exception from that great record. He's, look, he's a great, great guitar player and a super cool guy. Um, both Nicholas and I have known Mark for many, many, many years. And I think you'll enjoy. Um, and go and check out check out the record. It's really, really cool. This is Mark Tremonti on Behind the Vinyl. How you doing, man? You doing good? The family's good? Doing great. Yeah, just just out on our second tour since the lockdown. So it's uh, tough. This thing is just being away from my little baby girl. So yeah, right. thank God for uh, for FaceTime. <laughs> Man, that, that seriously must be saving you a lot of money these days compared to to back in the early days where you had to had to call and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's and finally, the you know, the first tour I went on, she didn't put two and two together that that was me you know the phone was just something she just stared at she never she didn't smile at it she just kind of stared at me but on this tour if I sing to her she'll smile and laugh on the phone so it's it's a big difference just in that couple months that's great that's great um let's dig a little bit into the record before we before we hit that um how does it feel to be playing this record out on yeah, playing it live, you know, getting the chance to, you're kind of hitting at the end of the whole COVID thing. So let's not delve into that, but you're, yeah. you're actually, you're actually getting to, uh, to, to really get out and play this record and, and probably with the hunger, you know, to really get out there and play live as well. How does that feel? Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's, um, it's been, we've sat on this record longer than any other record we've had. So to be able to finally get out there and play it, it's, it's great. The rest of the world feels like it's a new record. That's to us. It's it's been around for for a little while. So um, it's also good to see which which songs rise to the top, which songs become the, the live favorites, and um, throw those in there and experiment with those and try to get the proper ones in place before we head over to to Europe, which is our you know our biggest fan base. So it's we'll we'll get to iron things out before we get over there. And, and what is, tell, what is no could you can, can you tell from the the audience as well that there's a hunger for for live acts and live shows yeah yeah you know it seems like everybody's um more interested in every band than than just the, the few before where you know if, if we do if we do a festival back in the day somebody'd say you know i'm gonna go see these two bands and i'm gonna split now everybody's wanting to check out the whole day and 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 just kind of be in the moment and, and take it all in and, and be more open-minded and appreciate uh, the chance of just being out there and hearing it live and being around uh, being around those those atmospheres. It's just something that we've all been stripped from for, for, for too long. So many lives marching in time Move to the beat of the old and the blind
Talking about playing songs, firstly, how many of this new album are you playing out on the road at the moment? Oh, gosh, we've, we've probably played about six or seven of the new songs so far. Um, so we'll just keep on, you know, our rehearsals are, we have a four band bill right now we're out on. So our, our um, sound checks are about 15 minutes. So we're, they're really tight. So, uh, you know, we'll get in, we'll get in maybe three songs that we get to play. So, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep practicing new, you know, we're practicing new and old songs, old songs that we may not have, might not have played too much live um in the past you know i think i think fans of bands love to see that kind of thing you know you play the songs that everybody knows but also play album tracks that that uh, people might have never seen live before so we're going back through our catalog as well to try to drum up some stuff that we haven't done in a while right who, who are you out with at the moment oh uh, we're out with travis brock seven dust and daughtry all right okay cool well, right yeah, so it's a it's a good it's a big theater tour and um, yeah it's 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 been great. Cool. And cool. you you played with Seven Dust before quite a lot, right? Yeah, the first tour we did was just us and Seven Dust. Yep. So kind of like a continuation of that tour with with some other bands added on on top. You know, it's just uh, just bigger and better, and uh, you know it's uh, it's good because there's a good variety of people. You know, when when it's us and Seven Dust we see a lot of the same people, you know, a lot of our fans are seven us fans and vice versa. Uh, but with the Daughtry camp, they bring in a lot of new fans that might not know who uh, we are. And it's, it's good to get out there and, 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 and uh, gain some new fans. And, and uh, you know, like I said, everybody's open-minded to every band on the bill. So it's been, it's been great.
Well, what, what, no, are, what just, are the songs? Well, I'll, I'll go. What are, what are the songs yeah. um, floating to the top out of the new ones? Which, which ones are floating to the top? Uh, you know, the title track, Marching in Time. We, yep. we closed the set with that. You know, it's just, it seems like a good closing song for the set. Um, Closes the a single record nicely, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely definitely a good nice mood to end the set with and um we also you know play the single every night you know if not for you which has gone over really well um we've played um a world away we used to start the set with a world away on the seven dust tour uh and that that went over really well we we're not doing that on this tour as of yet but we um you know we, we we've done the ballad the the ballad of this record uh, not afraid to lose we've done um uh thrown further um we did uh gosh my memory is terrible we you know we've been practicing let that be us and now and forever uh to get get those ready the toughest thing about rehearsing these new songs on tours i've got to go two hours later so it's hard for me to sing a song belting it out like that um at sound check if i'm doing a show two hours later it kind of it hurts the show but I don't know if I can sing a song right unless I do belt it out. So I got to pick, pick and choose my times. I'm feeling healthy to do that. Right. Well, what I'm thinking of is that I'm always fascinated with every band, every artist, the songs that, that are on an album that never, ever get played live. Mm -hmm. Just like you record them and then they're on that album and they, they never became live versions of them. I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah, it happens, man. There's there's a lot of songs over my career that that uh, might not ever see the light of day just because we have so yeah. many so many records at this point. And you know, we're doing an opening set right now, so we've you know the Seven Dust tour we had an hour long. This tour, I think we're at forty five minutes. And um, if you don't play certain some certain songs in your set list, people might be disappointed. And if you play you know too many album tracks that people have never heard before, they you know. It's one thing for your diehards to say, yeah, play all those obscure tracks. When you're trying to win over a new audience, you're playing the songs that work the, the best. Mm. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Is that, is that something um, you got to flip, you know, playing with Alterbridge and playing with as, as Tremonti? Is that a different mindset you're going in? Obviously, Alterbridge, you, you got a longer time. Um, probably the, the fans, you're able to play a little bit more obscure tracks, whereas with Tremonti, you, you do have to go straight, you know, straight in for the kill with your, your bigger songs. Yeah. You know, but on this, on this tour, like I said, the fan base is very different on this tour than that, just the seven dust tour. You know, we've got a lot of, uh, um, you know, we, we tried to break out some more uh, of our, uh, you know, maybe not so up-tempo stuff because a lot of our stuff tends to be, you know, um, speed metal driven you know some of the songs that i love to to play but uh yeah. on this tour look into some of the more atmospheric tunes and, and play them on this tour and see if they they fly you know well because remember the first couple shows on this tour we we closed the set with wish you well which is one of our heaviest songs and um i felt like the crowd reacted better to the song before it that was more chill and moody so i was like ah, oh, let's let's cut wish you well and let's end the let's end the set with marching in time which is more of an atmospheric more of an um storytelling song and it, and it works better with this crowd so you're just always kind of adapt and i think that's a healthy thing for a band to do if um you know when we're over in europe doing all the festivals with all the metal bands 
we try to go as hard as we can. You know, we're not going to play two ballads in a, in a set. Um, but if you're playing and you see that some of these heavier songs just aren't resonating, it's time to throw some moody stuff in. You, you got to make that happen. And it makes you, I think, a more well-rounded act to try to survive in these different, um, you know, fan bases. You know, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, I think it strengthens your, your creative and, and um, performing muscles, if you, if you will, to do, to yeah. try to please different groups.
a favorite track of mine is Would You Kill. Yeah. Tell us about that. That's, uh, that's one of the oldest songs. I actually wrote that song for the first or second Tremonti album. And um, I had a, uh, an audio clip of us jamming through it. And I went back when I was going through this record, I heard it and I was like, you know what, maybe I should resuscitate this song and put a new spin on it and uh, see if I can make it fly. And uh, when Elvis, our producer heard it, he's like, man, you gotta, he's like, we gotta have this song on the record. He's like, it reminds me of the first record. And I think a lot of your fans will appreciate that. And it reminded him of the first record because it was written, you know, in that era. So, um, but it's, the song is about, um, asking yourself or asking somebody else how far they they're willing to go to achieve whatever goal they're after um so yeah that is it's i mean i it's an interesting thought it's an interesting thought to think that because i believe that you know every single one of us if we're put in you know a very difficult situation i think we're all able to to actually kill if it comes to yeah. protecting family and, and, and things like that. Even those who, who say they're pacifists and they wouldn't do anything and blah, blah, blah. I think like, you know, if you end up in a very certain difficult situation, you know, you would probably oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. I know. I don't know if you've read the book, the road uh, by Cormac no haven't, but that's kind of a story of, you know, where he's got his son and there's cannibals and there's, you know, it's, it's an Armageddon kind of story where, you're doing anything to survive and you would do, I would do anything to protect my children. I don't care what it is, you know, and it's, uh, I don't care how much of a pacifist I am, <laughs> but he tries to threaten my family. Uh, I'll, I'll turn into a, a, a switch will flip.
Um, a couple, a couple other tracks. Uh, a world away. That's a heavy start to to the record, man. Yeah, you know that was um, that song was kind of based on the initial riffs of that of that track. And I think when I was recording that for um, for for demo purposes, I told uh, once we recorded the drums and the bass, I told Elvis, my producer, I'm like, you know what, this sounds like the opening track of the record because the first 30 seconds of the song grabs your attention more than any other 30 seconds on the record. So um, it's got to be first. And I didn't have a guitar solo in the song. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have to go. We're going to have to change the arrangement, add, a, add some time on the end of the song where I could do a guitar solo because I can't come out with the first track for a record without a solo on it because I did that. Yeah, I, I learned my lesson on the last on the Dying Machine record. I came out with uh, the title track first and it I, I considered it a guitar solo, but it was a fingerstyle uh, guitar piece. And people said, you know, I love the song, but it would have been better if it was if there was a guitar solo in it. And I try not to write for other people. I try to only write for myself because I feel like that translates better to having it sound real to other people. But that little thing swayed my, it swayed my, the way I went after that song. I'm like, all right, first track on the record has to have a solo. So I, uh, that's, that's the, the story behind that song is, is it had to change a little bit. Well, also, I mean, with, with songs and with writing a new album, and I'm guessing you you have a hard drive that's just loaded with riffs and ideas and the stuff you collect oh, over yeah. time. But do you do you every time make it a point when you're writing a new album to go through all those riff ideas and stuff you've collected over time, or is it just that you stumble upon a file and you 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 hear something that you record and oh that sounds cool I'll make something of that. I mean, how does it usually work? Well, I have a extensive catalog of, of things and I've, I've learned over the years. And if you, you know, if somebody comes to my guitar clinic, when I go do shows, I teach people how I, uh, how I write songs and um, I tell people how important it is to organize. But um, what I do is I'll write a song, a new song, and I'll write it as far as I can get it. Um, and then I'll say I'm missing a part, say I'm missing a bridge. I'll go through all my old files and I will go to my bridge files. I've got, I've got verse files, chorus files, bridge files, riff files, pre-chorus, you know, I've got them, I've got them, uh, what tuning they're in, the tempo they're in, a title to describe what style it is. And then I have a, um, a way of telling myself how good I think the idea is. So I'll go, if I've got a song at 142 beats per minute, I'll go through my files and I'll find all the top rated ones in that tuning, in that te tempo, and I'll pull those out and see which ones could fit this new song I'm writing. Um, wow. So it's, it's uh, I'll never come to a point, I think, where I won't be able to complete something because I've got such a, um, I don't throw things out if, if I dig them. I'll throw them out if, if they don't, if they don't speak to me, I'll throw them out immediately. But, um, you know, I've just got, uh, you know, a lot of stuff to draw from. Sounds extremely organized. You have to be, have to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in saying that, are you, are you doing that by yourself or are you sitting with Elvis or are you, like how much of the song is, is done and completed by the time you bring it to Elvis? No, I like to write by myself. When we came in to do the record, uh, the demos were done, uh, the lyrics were done, the arrangements were done. Uh, we had so much time on this record to complete it. There was really not any gray area as to 
the song isn't quite done yet. Every song was completely fleshed out from beginning to end. The only thing that, that we really had to do is uh, when I got with Elvis, we played all the songs and I think we recorded about 17 or 18 tracks. <laughs> and then Elvis and, and we would listen to the songs together and Elvis would say, you know, this song kind of fits the same mood as this one. Let's choose one and get rid of the other. Um, this song, one song that I really loved um, and I was really looking forward to, he's like, you know, this song's like a different band. You know, it doesn't sound like this band. I like it, but it's just not you guys. So um, I was like, I get it. I get it. Let's, I'll just save it for a rainy day. But um, so we go through that process, you know, and, um, but there's been a lot of times in the past where he'll go, you know, it didn't happen on this record, but, you know, with Alter Bridge Records and some other records, he'll be like, you know, I love this song, but we have a tendency to go down the rabbit hole. You know, we like to take a bridge and let Medic draw on for five minutes and go down this dark, moody path that maybe takes the song away from the, 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 the meat of the song. And uh, he'll talk us out of maybe, you know, let's not make this bridge moody. Let's keep it up tempo. Let's keep it short and sweet and get back to the, yeah. the hook of the song. So uh, he's never been a, a producer to say, why don't you do this chord change or write this or sing this melody? I, I couldn't stand to ever have somebody write for us. It's, it's in Alter Bridge, it's me and Miles. In Tremonti, it's me. And I work with Eric as far as um, doing the demoing and working out the final arrangements. Um, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't work with a producer that's trying to write for you. That would just drive me nuts.
Look, Elvis is fucking, he's a genius, man. He's, he's, he's so he's good. man. Yeah, absolutely. He gets but, the best performances out of you. He, he, he's a great filter. If you think something's good and you run it by him and he thinks it's good, you're like, yes, all right. I, I, you know, now, now it's time to go. Have you, have, you ever, it, have you ever thought, especially for this record, because you're saying you had so much time and everything was done, have you ever thought, and this is not to diss Elvis in any way, but have you ever thought of, you know what, I could actually produce this myself. Let's just bring in an, an engineer who could um, who could capture all the sounds you're after. Did that cross your mind at all? No, it's just, you know, it's he's just such a great final filter to get that record to its to its best it can be. You know, it's uh it's very hard to to be a writer and live in a bubble. Like I write in a bubble almost all the time and you overthink things. You second guess yourself. You finally get it done, and then I get with on this band. I get with Eric, and I'm like, "All right, check this out." And then I'll he'll be like, "Yeah, that's killer. I love it." I'm like, I, "Yes, great." So that's he's my filter number one. Yeah. Then when you get it past Elvis, you know it. You're onto something. You know he's the final filter. He's the final finish line for a song. Um, and I trust him implicitly. And I think he's uh, on top of everything else. He 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 gets the biggest sounding records that I've heard, you know, um, he gets the best performances out of you. I feel very comfortable with him. Um, you know, I would hate to sit down with some stranger and, and track guitar solos because with Elvis, I can sit down and mess around, do whatever, not think twice about it. You know, um, yeah. he's my buddy and we've known each other for, you know, I, I don't know how 15 years or however long it's been now. And, um, it works. Yeah, what, he's, he's become, he's become your like Bob Rock. Years, right? What's that? He's become your Bob Rock. Yeah, you know what? And he's, um, you know, but, you know, he, he lets you be you, you know? He doesn't try to force his hand, you know? He just tries to be, let you be the best version of, of you, you know? And uh, he's, and he does it around the clock. It blows my mind that as soon as we finish recording and mixing our record, he jumps onto the next band. He doesn't pick his phone up for nobody. He just focuses on that act. And then he, and then you're out of his life until you work on the next record. He's so focused, you know, it's, uh, he's not the kind of guy you can be like, hey Elvis, let's go grab dinner. He's in the studio, constantly working.
so for, for you personally, what's some of the standouts? Like, there's a couple of guitar parts all over this record that are just just killer. Just for instance, um, now and forever, that kind of uh, that quick picking, you know, you've got in there is just so so quick and so killer. Oh, is, there thank anything, you. is there anything that stands out for you, you know, as a player that you're really proud of in this? Um, I think my favorite guitar solo is um, uh, "Let That Be Us." Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that one, I, I, um, you know, when you're in between records and you're working on guitar ideas, you sure hope that the things you work so hard on land on your next record. So when I wrote that solo and I got to actually use some things I've been working on and it fit just right, I was, I was very happy with it. Um, I think the um, the last one of us solo, I'm, I'm happy with. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, not because it's difficult, but I think because it has character. My one of my favorite riffs on the record is from uh, Bleak, the um, the verse part. You know, the clean strummy part to me always had a lot of character and told a lot of story without even singing a word over it. It just I loved it right off the bat. And I remember um, I remember when we were on tour and we were doing a show with In Flames and we had dressing rooms next to those guys and their sheets were hung up and I was writing that song and I remember Bjorn popped his head in and he's like, Just like your father, cruel just like the day is long. You've fallen farther, dropping like you're made of stone. The space between us, growing like you know it can. Dreamers never thought it'll ever end until it ends. Could it be a big point of your 
that's badass. Nice. Well, when it comes to when it comes to guitars, uh, are you the kind of guy that do you in any way collect any guitars or, or stuff like uh, that? Or you know, I haven't bought a guitar in a long time. Um, I bought. I just recently put an order in for uh, a buddy of mine. Andy Wood came out with a signature guitar uh, with Sir Guitars, and um, they make great stuff. And you know, I only play PRSs. Um, right. And for the most part on every record. Um, but uh, it's, uh, I'm a guitar player. I love good guitars. So, um, you know, I thought I don't, I have a couple Telecasters at home and he has a, a Telecaster signature, pretty much like a Sir Tele style guitar. So I was like, you know, I want to get this guitar. It looks killer. And Andy's such an amazing player. And he's a buddy of mine. So I thought I'd uh, put some money in his pocket and buy a signature model. Uh, <laughs> But that's the last guitar I bought since, uh, gosh, I mean, I, PRS is nice enough to give me all the guitars I, I ever need. So um, I've got my baritones. i got my hollow body. The last PRS I got was the uh, hollow body SE, which is an amazing guitar. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the Vela, PRS Vela is another one of my all-time favorites that they make. Uh, we're, we're, um, we're about to announce a big... Uh, uh, release with PRS here pretty soon. Um, pretty pretty exciting project that uh, that's about to be announced. So, yeah, I got my guitar fix. I'm an amp. <laughs> I'm an amp collector. I, I I I collect guitars, but mainly I collect amplifiers. All right. Yeah. And pinball. Do you, uh, do, do you use them on the record, or like, are you using Elvis's stuff on the record? No, I use my stuff. I love oh, my oh, amps. Yeah. My what, amps, what do you I use, uh, you know, I've got my signature amps. I got the MT-15 and the MT-100 that's about to come out. Yep. So those are primarily the main tones. And then I brought a Cornford RK-100 in on every record that Elvis and I both love. Um, I use, uh, I, on this last record, last couple records, I used the Victory V40 for some of the clean stuff along with, in, in you know, conjunction with my amp. And then, um, uh Geez, usually I'll usually I'll just bring in all my top amps and then we'll just do a shootout. And then in the end, we have a stack of maybe five amps that that we keep for the rep for the record. Right. We, we, we did um, we did someone in the ACDC camp a, a little while ago. And I don't know whether you can remember this, Nicholas. They were talking about how they choose their their amps and their guitars. And uh, right. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically have to bring in every single amp. And the, the the text run through it, and it's the same. It's the same two or three every time, and they yeah, just, yeah, they just keep going. Really, do we have to do this again? But every record they bring it in and go through everything. And no, 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 no. Okay, that's the amp. And Man, I, I would love, I would love to have one of those amps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, and just to borrow borrow one for a record, that'd be great. Absolutely. What what does Angus did he tell you? Does he use like a twenty two Marshall JCM eight hundred or a nine hundred or a we we actually didn't talk to Angus. We talked to um, we talked to Mike Fraser, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Talked to Mike Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the engineer. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, I'd love to know what he used. You know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> pinball machines. I could Google it. What, what kind of pinball machines do you have? And how serious collector are you? I'm a very serious collector. I'm. Um, 
I'm actually in the midst of being involved in a pinball project. Uh, it's top secret though, but, um, <laughs> but anyways, I've got, I mean, I've had tons and tons of pinball machines right now. I think I have 15 pinball machines. Um, every time a new pinball machine comes out, I pretty much get it and then figure out what I'm going to trade to keep my addiction going. Uh, but the good thing about pinball is if you've been in pinball for a long time, um, the pinball market has gone like this, you know, the machines, everybody wants them. So if a new machine comes out, I can just trade it for my, an old machine. That's probably more valuable than the new machine. So anytime a new machine comes out, my wife can't get angry with me because I didn't spend any money, but I got a new pinball machine. <laughs> have you ever had the uh, the kiss pinball machine from the 70s no no oh. it's uh, uh you know i'm into the more modern machines you know oh okay right yeah. cool i like wow. i like old machines but not uh, I, I like i like to have ramps and you know a lot of, a lot of action what well, do you have them all set up at home all 15 i do absolutely wow. <laughs> And I wish I had more room because there's a lot of machines coming up that, that I really want to grab. Someday